Welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I will be your host today. Welcome back. We haven't seen you guys in a while. I had to put things on hold for a little bit so that we could do some catching up um, and make sure that we're doing things the way that they need to be done. Um, and you know, we always, you know, we're always bound by other people's time. We like to catch people on their days off. Um, we want them comfortable. Um, so, well, just like everything else in my life, it's done in God's time, um, which means it's always done right on time. <laughs> so in my book today, I have, uh, Jeff Stevens and I actually met, uh, I actually met Jeff on, on, uh, Facebook uh, a lot. Uh, there were some, several things that he had to say. He'd actually put out a video. Um, he had gone live and is what I saw and I felt a connection. And when I feel that connection, I ask because I've been doing this long enough. I know when I've got somebody on my hands that is willing to speak, um, that is going to bring us a lot of hope and experience. So Jeff, thank you for taking your time today and coming on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Dion, man, I I'm honored to be, uh, to have been asked to be on the podcast. Uh, I have done similar things but not quite on this standard okay and so it's it's always it's always a pleasure to be asked to share my story and be be part of the recovery community man that's that's what i live for these days and 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 the reason that i was asking you is you were going after some things why don't you tell us a little bit about your education we were talking about this a little bit before we came on the show because you're still kind of a young guy how old are you jeff uh, I'll be 28 this year, so I'm still 27. Yeah, good for you. He's still a young guy, man. But why don't you tell me a little bit about you know some of the stuff that you're going after right now? Let's let the audience know. Okay, uh, so uh, I'll start with how I got to where I was going. Uh, so okay. I attend I attend something called a Recovery Cafe. They have them all over the world. The nearest okay. one, other than we have, we're in the only one in Oregon. Uh, but the nearest one to us is Seattle, where it all started. Okay. And uh, they have circle leaders there. That it, it's similar to an NA meeting, all but right. each circle you meet with them every every week, so wow. you gain that that circle of trust. And yeah. I wanted to be a circle leader, but in order to do that, I had to have two years clean, and I had Fair to enough. attend a peer support class. Okay. So I went and i asked them about it and they were like yeah man you're how close are you two years i was like my two years is like three days after the class gets over nice and so they sent me to get my class i went through uh the peer support class at rogue retreat which is a local organization that offers it and um it was it was amazing i i learned more about myself as well as like how i should be or, or different ways to uh, to talk to people, like motivational interviewing, active yeah. listening, different mm-hmm. all sorts of different things that I plan to use in in my future to help people that are in a position that I used to be in. Yeah, and that, that's one of my biggest goals. I actually just got hired on at the same company that gave the class nice. as a job readiness specialist. Um, Congratulations, so man! Thanks, brother, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, so that's where I'm at right now. I'm waiting on to get my certification through the state and it, my certification will put me on for a peer support specialist, 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 mm-hmm. and a certi- certified recovery mentor. So I get to add those, those three letters to the back of my name. Like I did something cause I did, yeah. you know, like that's you did. Name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Congrats. You know, and what's neat about those classes, um, because I've been through them too. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a certified recovery coach. Um, of course, I've been a cal- I was a counselor for a long time too. But it's neat because they, they taught you some skills that you can use in everyday life. Even talking with your sponsees or to some guy on the bus, you know, um, 
And what I like about it is they really teach you how to meet people where they are at. Because I think exactly. we tend to, we get excited and we get caught up and then we forget they're not where we're at. Okay. Now there's no difference between that person and me. We're all, we're all this close to the bottle. Right. Um, but now I can recognize that and I can meet them where they're at so that they don't feel like they're struggling to catch up to me. Absolutely, man. And I, I found that those skills are useful with addicts. They're, they're useful with, nor- with just normal people. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we you know we all use the term normies. Yeah. Um, and then I, I use them with my kid. He's four. I just sit down and I listen to him and I, and yeah. I, I explain to me just kind of like that I'm listening and that that they're and try to find out what he's actually after and it works yeah it works it's so well, it's so useful you know it's funny and not funny but I think we should listen to it there was a person in my recovery coach class that said she didn't appreciate being called a normie and yeah I know I thought about that I'm like well you'd be drunk <laughs> but a crackhead you want a crackhead you could go with that you know it's so it, the thing is you know sometimes words are just words and and that's the way that it is so um yeah uh but how else are we going to differentiate you know because there is a difference in our brain makeup and the way that it works beyond that yeah we're all human so um so why don't you tell us uh, about yourself let's go back a little bit and uh, get started with your story. Where did you grow up at, Jeff? So as a kid, um, so I when it, uh, I was born in Hermiston, Oregon. Okay. Um, uh, I was there to my earliest memory. I think I was like just about three. Uh, my the guy who signed my biological or my biologicals walked out, and so we moved around a lot. And uh, I'm trying to remember because there's a lot of memories that as a kid you block out. Absolutely. Um, we moved around a lot until my mom met my person, the person that I call my dad. He stepped okay. in when I was about four. And even then, we moved around constantly. Um, but I spent the majority of my time growing up in two, two general areas, which is Hermiston, Oregon, and Wallowa County, which okay. they're pretty similar. Wallowa County is just super small. Okay. And uh, so that, like that, that's how I grew up. It was mainly rural and thank God I did because like I was really heading to a point where I was going to, I mean, well, I kind of did become a little punk for a little while. Not, not going <laughs> to lie there. Yeah. But, I think we all kind of go through that punk stage. So somebody comes along and hits us upside the back of the head. Yeah. I mean, I, for the most part, like, how do I put this? I mean, if we're, if, we're, if and I, we are going to go into my story, uh, I grew up with a lot of good memories. Okay. And there was a lot of good things in my life. Like, I played sports in school. I grew up uh, being active in, with my family. But I, I mean, so there was a, uh, Sorry, I stutter when I get into when when I start to think not about not a problem, are, at, not a problem at all. That's just your mind trying to figure out what it's going to say next. So you take your time, Jeff. That's not a problem. So uh, when I was eight, we moved to uh, back, moved to Alao Folk County full time, and it was great because like I was around my dad's side of the family, and like my, my I got to see my grandma constantly and all that side of the family. But I mean, there was a uh, there was an incident. Okay. Um, I was, I was like before my ninth birthday, uh, I'm not going to disclose who. Okay. But I mean, I was, I was, I was molested as a kid All right. by, by an older family member. Okay. And so somebody of trust. And I, it, yeah, it was. And it's somebody that, and I didn't realize how wrong it was until I got older. Sure. Because I mean, it, it's, it's, it's your it's an older somebody you look up to somebody and around you're nine you're nine you're still naive man yeah we didn't have internet yeah. back when you were nine and, and a phone and everything else so you could look things up so we yeah were like naive. The, these kind of things 
these kind of things weren't you weren't told about these kind of things until you were like in in high school yeah at, at the least and i went to a little school so they didn't address these things like i didn't okay and like i knew it was wrong as i got older but it was it's something that stuck with me every all through this it's sure. something that i've always wanted to forget and it wasn't until recently that i addressed it you know i didn't address it with a person like i still whenever i see his name come up on family posts i'm like okay this is i don't know how to do it because like okay. when i was in my addiction this was this was somebody that i wanted to target this okay. was somebody that i mm. yeah sure sure it is you know the way that i would see it is this motherfucker made me this way i'm gonna make his life hell you bet your ass i wouldn't but that's how my thought process was back then too you know i was always blaming everybody else for who i was you know exactly don't get me wrong like my my addiction because my addiction started with alcohol it didn't that's not where it stopped but okay that's a good where it started i was 16 when i started drinking heavily all right and uh, I was I was still in Willow County because we moved back and forth to, from Hermiston like four times since then. But it, it came easy because I was I was good at sports. Okay. And so with that lifestyle, being good at sports on the weekends, you're out partying and drinking. But my sure. And my mom will tell you this to to, to this day. I was 16 when I had alcohol poisoning for the first time. Like I was I ended up laying in bed just pissed drunk. Yeah. Just puking and like choking on my own on my own. Oh yeah. And so like and it happened more than a more times than I can count. And I probably did a lot of damage to my liver. By the time I was twenty one, man, I was drinking a case and a fit. And I'd already experimented with things like pills and pill pills were big when I was growing or going through high school and then uh until then I, I took a like a hiatus from pills but I was still constantly drinking. Okay. So I ended up graduating. I graduated high school a year late, but I got my diploma. Wow. Okay. Um, so I had a. I was supposed to play in like the All Star games, which kind of fed into my, my, my uh, view of myself. Okay. But I didn't. I went to Alaska and was working up there on a boat. Okay. What so were you playing? Because people are going to want it. I know it's silly, but what were you playing? Were you playing football? Oh, I was a three-sport athlete, man. Three-sport? Oh, okay. All right. That's, yeah, that's uh, football, phenomenal. baseball, and wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for you. I, uh, <laughs> I tried not to be, but I, re- I look back and, like, realize that there was some – I wasn't always a bad dude growing up, but at the same time, like, I had I had this view on life that I was raised in and I was brought up and around, and – uh I, something I should probably mention is like I had my first the first time I ever had pills is when I blew out my knee in high school. Okay, so they were, um, were they were prescribed. I completely blew my Okay. Yeah, they were prescribed, and I and it was really easy because like at the time I I was like, All right, okay, my, my knee hurts. Can I, can I have my pills, please? Yeah. And it was really easy. Like even even after that effect, I just be like, hey, uh, so can I go get checked out? And it was right there. Yeah. I mean, the, the the way that they give pills out nowadays is just something crazy. Yeah. Well, thank, thank, uh, thankfully, that's changing. A lot of doctors now, if you want, if you want a benzo or something, and there's any inkling of addiction in your background, you're gonna have to jump through some hoops to get to them. Now, thank absolutely. God. Thank God. Absolutely. And I mean, like, there's a, most of the time, if you have, if you're in recovery, I've noticed, like, personally, uh, whenever I go to the doctor, I'm like, hey, so here's the thing. I want nothing to do with painkillers, if absolutely like, I, I have too clean. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. So uh, we're going to go back in the story just a little bit. Jeff, you are back on, brother. Yeah, so where I left off was uh, I had blown my ACL. And like I, like I was saying, it's, it's super easy to get pills. And after after an injury like that, it wasn't hard for me to go into the doctors and, and be like, so my knee's hurting. And they would just immediately prescribe me like Percocet or Vicodin. And I was mm-hmm. 16, man. Yeah. So like... 
mixing bit like perks and alcohol yeah. growing up you know it, it, it was bad yeah but, um so i mean i went through high school and like the rest of my high school pretty much doing that and then i started hanging out with with all the stoners because i thought they were cool uh, mm-hmm. dude, i knew they were chill i never really liked weed but so i was i was fine around them don't get me wrong it's not like i didn't smoke it because i did yeah <laughs> It just, wasn't, but it, it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. And I, when I, oh man, after high school, after I came back from Alaska, I got back into the party lifestyle and it went on for a year or so. Everyone, all right, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. We have switched devices um, and sounds a lot better now. So, uh, we were, uh, Jeff, I believe we were talking about the doctor. Yeah, that. We'll, we'll try this again. Let's see how this goes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was 16 years old. I blew my knee out in wrestling, which for me was a, was a big deal. But after I did and after I had my surgery, they put me on, on painkillers. So Vicodin and Percocet. And, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was nice not having to feel the pain. You know, growing sure. up, it was, it was uh, rub it like rub some dirt on it and get up and keep going. That's so that's, right. That's what, that, that's what those pills were: rub some dirt on it and keep going. But anytime after that, it was super easy to get access to it. Like I would just complain about my knee, pretty much, and they'd give it to me. Yeah, you know, I was sixteen and mixing that with alcohol just made it all the worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a hard thing. So. I, that's pretty much how the rest of my high school went, you know, graduated high school. I started hanging out with the stoners because they were just, I mean, they were very relaxed, very, very open, very cool. Okay. It was nice to hang out with them. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, they smoked a lot of weed. I was always fine around weed. It wasn't really my thing. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I hadn't tried it. I was, I was good. I, I liked it, but not, not enough to want to smoke it all the time. Uh, I, it was great. Uh, but, that wasn't what was for me. Um, okay. So I graduated high school. I went to Alaska to work up on, up there on a boat. And when I came back, the party wow. lifestyle kind of continued. Okay. I got out of hand. Um, I, me- I still remember the first night I ever did Coke because Coke showed up at a party and I was just like, yeah, why not? Okay. I was going through a hard time at the time and it seemed like it was one of those bucket moments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My life's full of those, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember it. I, I remember the I remember the drip. I remember the the taste. I remember the yeah. smell. I remember everything about it. I remember exactly what we put it on. Okay. It was just a little black piece of of a, of a welder's mask, like the the screen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what was for me uppers. Ah. Within a month, within a month of starting cocaine. I had almost entirely just lost myself in it. Okay. And I was in a small town where it was hard to find. So when we didn't have the money and we couldn't find it, somebody showed up with methamphetamine. Oh shit. And I, I knew what it was in my head. Cause I was sure. like, you haven't sent yet. Does anybody have any white? And he's like, no, but I have clear. And in my head, I was playing dumb. I was trying to play dumb to myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, it, just, it must just be a different type of cocaine. You know, trying to rationalize it, in my yeah. head is so dumb. You're a smart guy, though. You you kind of you knew better, didn't you? I knew, and I absolutely did. And I knew yeah. exactly what I was putting up my nose. And I tried to make it. And as it got, I, I entirely stopped looking for cocaine, and I started looking for meth. Okay. Uh, I was trying to keep putting it up my nose because, like, that was in like that was any better. And then someone's like, "No, you got to try and smoke it." And it took about I don't know two tries of me trying to tell him that I didn't want to put it on my nose. So then like, well, we're not going to waste it. Yeah. I was like, cool. Give me the pipe from then on. Damn. I was fucking hooked, bro. Yeah. That was, that's, that's all I wanted. It's all I wanted to do. And it started out like this. Like I was working at a ranch in enterprise, Oregon. Okay. And I would, I would work on the ranch all day. And then right afterwards I get some money. I'd go to the, I'd go to my dope, dope dude's house. Yeah. And we'd stay up till seven in the fucking morning. Yep. Just hanging out, which was kind of, it was a nice little ritual. That became my ritual. Yeah. Go to work, go hang out until it stopped. Yeah. Until that was all I wanted to do. I was sitting out on the fucking tractor out in the middle of the field, smoking a fucking meth pipe. Yeah. 
I mean, and it it happens so fast that as a as a kid in the dare program, when they tell you it happens so fast, you yeah. don't know until you do it, and that's and it's something I would never never hope for anybody because man, my life went. I went from having all of my own things, like my own. I had my own rig. I had all. I had my own tools. I had all this stuff that I built up growing up through school. Sure. And oh, let me point out that when I started using meth, I quit drinking almost instantly. I hear that a lot, actually. Hey, it, well, yeah. It, it's I stopped. I stopped going to the bar. I stopped. I stopped going out to parties. I every ah. Uh, so was it more isolation than it really was quitting drinking? Because you're, you, I mean, you're smoking meth by yourself on a tractor in the middle of the day. Already. Well, see, and the only time I smoked by myself is when I was working because okay. I loved being around other people when I was smoking meth. I loved okay. it because, I, and it wasn't until later in my addiction that I realized when I was smoking by myself, and it was far into my addiction mm-hmm. that I just, I, uh, that's when I started looking at where my life had gone. Um. I just, you know, I started looking at myself. I was like, damn. And it was year. It was like three years after that, that I ever even stopped. Okay. Uh, But not to jump too far ahead. I ended up leaving that, that ranch. And honestly, I'm pretty happy. I did no matter how, what the circumstances, because the guy that was, that was running the ranch was my uncle ended up getting caught up for trying to solicit a 14 year old boy. Mm. Yeah, it's always nice to to be around to find out you're around people on a daily basis that are you know that are, in my opinion, worthless. Yeah, fucking useless. Well, and you know we tend to put ourselves in dangerous situations sometimes without even knowing it, and we but we still do it. You know we don't listen to our gut, um, but that's what drugs and alcohol does to us: is it puts us in situations we normally wouldn't be in. Yeah. Well, so this guy had been a family friend for years. Called him my uncle John. Okay. For years, no one ever would have suspected. You know, he he was an openly gay man, which okay. was fine. Uh, I have I have no no problems with with, with people whatever their sexual sexual orientation because like sure. whatever you want to do, it's whatever makes you happy. But right. until it becomes something like that, like then then at that point, I I. I I have hopes and aspirations for what happens to him in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I, after I left the ranch, gradually I ended up couch surfing. I ended up just, I ended up back in Hermiston actually is where that, what happened. I left there and I was there for probably eight months and then cocaine came back into my life and I was pretty much, I was growing massive amounts of weed because we were doing a, we were doing what we called a mission and we were running across state lines and we ended up in Arkansas. Okay. And got connected with some big people down there, uh, for, uh, MS 13. Uh, Oh, wow. We were selling them yeah. quantities of weed and they were giving us massive amounts of Coke at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, we were down there just living the party lifestyle. Like it was great until it wasn't. Those are, uh, those are some people you, I tell you what, I ain't ever been so, been so like put on edge by a little Mexican dude. Uh, yeah. MS 13. <laughs> you don't, you don't mess yeah. around with them. No, no. they're, they're, uh, they're, they're about their shit. Yeah. And they are. I mean, that was, that was one of the first times I ever had a gun put in my face. Cause the guy's like, Hey, you want to do some coke? And cause like we, we'd been hooked up through somebody else. And it, I was like, oh, maybe when we, you know, figure this out. And he's like, and he's like, hey, fucking pulls out this massive 44. Just go, you know, you're going to do some coke. And I was like, yeah. line it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else can you really do? I mean, yeah, he wanted to make sure you were in a cup. Exactly. And I, like, I, I, I understood that. I just, at the same time, I was trying to do business with a clear head. Yeah. But so we ended up getting, we ended up going, being down there for like a week. We ended up coming back and, uh, things just started falling apart on who I was around. And when it happened, I ended up, my mom and dad had now moved to Hepner, okay. which is a small town on the outskirts of town. 
Okay. And uh, so I ended up moving back in with my mom and my dad for a while. And then I real that's when I realized that my mother was using methamphetamine. Hmm. And so she had this little kind of circle going, trying to run dope. And I became part of it. And uh, that's when things got really bad for yeah. my family. Uh, I had, a, I was smoking dope with my mom. Okay. My, trying to hide it from my sisters. Okay. And by the way, let me tell you, I absolutely adore my sisters. And I always have. I, I spent a lot of time in high school raising them. Yeah. And uh, my, my, it ended up coming out one night and my mom and dad had a massive split. Okay. And they, that's when they, that's when they ended up breaking up for good. Okay. Uh, and it's been tw almost 20 years since they got together. So I was about 24 at the time. Okay. Um, yeah. It, uh, my mom got dove deeper into addiction just as I, just as I did. And we were in a Walmart parking lot one day and, just we I, I got out of the car we were both just geetered and I, I told her that I couldn't I wouldn't be around her anymore and I I started trying to go different different avenues to get get my drugs and my mom and me both deteriorated yeah so we kind of we split up for the better part of two years I I wouldn't have anything to do with her and to be honest I feel kind of guilty about that nowadays okay um and uh, so I, I ended up hanging out a lot more with two of my cousins who were, who had more dope than I, I did, you know? Okay. He, one of my cousins, he, he kind of took me in a little bit and showed me how things ran. And he, he ended up running most of the dope in the town. He ended up getting raided eventually. Okay. And so I, I was at that point, I was in to the, in the point where I was homeless and I was, either trying to bounce around on a couch or on my lower days, I was sleeping in a bush. I was sleeping yep. out in the middle of a field next to a Walmart parking lot where some, somebody on a good one mm -hmm. had dug this massive hole. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it, and it, it, the, that right there is about the time where I started looking at my life because I was sitting in a hole in the middle of a bunch of sand surrounded by bushes, smoking yeah. meth. So I didn't have to fall asleep in this hole. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were, I was sitting, there were another time where I was sitting underneath a semi trailer out, out back of a church that had been helping me with clothing. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I was sick that day and I, I just, just laying there on the ground, just laying flat on my back and I couldn't move to the point to get away to puke. So I just turned my head and just puked all over down next to me. Okay. My life, I, that I and I didn't quit for almost a year after that, and I didn't know why. I couldn't like I knew that I was getting up, getting fed up with it, but I yeah, I I just I I, I felt like the lifestyle could come back, and it couldn't okay. because I tell you right now, and I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. Okay, I was always chasing that initial high. Yeah. I, my my ritual of being around and having just a good normal conversation, listening to music, being in a circle of people, I was always chasing that. But it ended up becoming stealing, robbing, fighting, just all this shit yeah. that I didn't want it to become to come into. And I don't want to glorify it because there were times where I felt like an absolute badass. Sure. Yeah, I, I get that. A, I was a punk, man. Yeah, yeah. That's what when we were talking earlier that we were punks. That's what we were talking about. When you're running around, I'm I'm a badass, and don't mess with me. You don't want to see me get angry, and you know all that. You know I'm a man, and uh, now these are all facades that we tell ourselves to justify the stupid shit we did. Yeah, and tell you what, man, it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't get over it. Like I, I look at my life, and and I think. Of all of that as my lowest point, okay. because it truly is. Yeah, and I want to explain that since that since that point, I have come so far. I 
and it started when my I went to my little sister's graduation. It's the first time I got okay. to see my baby sister in years. Okay. Since, since my family split up. All right. And I tried to get as nice as I could with what I had. And at the, I thought I looked all right. I thought I looked all right. I had these baggy jeans and a fucking button up and a t-shirt and put this goofy ass hat on. And uh, I went to this graduation and I got to see my older brother, Hunter, which I hadn't seen in forever. And he's actually who I'm up, we're up in Salem right now going to see him. Oh, awesome. After all this. And uh, I get there and like I, I get to watch my baby sister get her diploma. I get to watch all this. We go to the, the graduation party down at the Grange Hall and just get to talk in and get to talk to my dad and my older brother, my younger brother. All of my siblings are there. And it, they, my older brother and his wife offered me a spot to live. Oh. And they said, if you want to get clean, you come live with us. Yep. And it took about all of three seconds to be like, all right, let's go. Wow. So it was about another week. And my, my, my first oldest sister said she'd come pick me up on this day. Well, the night that, that night, I got high one last time and then I went back to her house and I couldn't sleep. Okay. And I've, I'm not, I still feel guilty about that because like I knew I was going to get clean and I still went and got high one more time. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. But I ended up living there for like three months and I mean, I was, I was still drinking, Okay. but I wasn't using drugs. And then I, I was there and I couldn't, my mind wasn't quite right. Still. Like I, I still couldn't, I tried to get a job. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't navigate the public bus system. Like yeah. I, I up in Salem, I couldn't figure it out. And it's such a simple concept that I was, but I was still in that mindset of still trying to put my life together. Yeah. And so it didn't work out. And so me and my brother had come to sort of an impasse, like not a, not not confrontational, but I ended up moving down to Medford. Okay. Within a week, I got into my. I went to my first NA meeting. I got to per, pick up my first chip for not using. Wow. Um, because why not? You know, I was there. The people yeah. I was around were involved in NA. I got involved in Oxford, which is, I don't know if you know what Oxford is. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Oxford, uh, so our our listeners know is Oxford is for people. Uh, it's a, so they have a lot of different stuff, but sober livings um, for people that don't have any money. So homeless and things like that. They help with grants. They help with continued education. I love, I'm a big fan of Oxford house. So. Yeah. So I got into an Oxford house and was attending NA meetings and I got a job. And I, let me tell you, I, I held down this, this same job for the past about two, two and a half years almost. And that's the first time I've done that in forever. Yeah. And so going through all that, I have I have attended NA on a regular basis up until recently. I started dumping more time into or investing more time into Recovery Cafe because I my that's where I'm spending my recovery time. Okay. And now I'm lead now now I have my own circle there. I'm leading a, a men's group nice. as well as attending my attending another circle. Yeah. And through through my recovery this past two years and some odd days I have man my life in so long and so short of a time my life has gained so many good things and I am so blessed today yeah that it's wild to think that my life went down so fast and came up even faster yeah. <laughs> and I, have, I, have this, I have this experience that that is my the lowest point of my life that I, I am now going to be able to use as lived experience to help others that are in that same position. Yeah. And that's wild to me, man. Like I, I remember using with people that had used for 30, 40, 50 years, you mm-hmm. know, different, different drugs, 20 years. And it's like, you really, and I, I can't understand why, like I can understand getting into it, but I can't understand why continuing that. Yeah. And that's, it's so hard because I, I mean, I was that guy that wants to save everybody when I had nothing to help with. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now that I have those opportunities to be able to give back 
that's that's exactly what I want to do. I want my work to be about giving back. I want the fact that I, I want some to be able to spend some of my free time about giving back. I want to be able to share this with the with the lady that I that I just proposed to that's over here staring at me all goofy. <laughs> and she's wonderful by the way. She's an she's an Oxford alum as well. And so I've got wow. let's do a round of applause for the fiance too. Yeah, she's yeah. she got more cleaning time than I do. And she she's one of the biggest things that uh uh that made an impression on me because when we first met i didn't have a year clean okay so she told me we would we would only be friends until then and the whole reason why was because of the fact that she wanted me to be able to make sure that i had that first year of my recovery to focus on me and that made a huge impression on me it sure should that means that somebody actually loves you exactly that they care that they you know and that for us it can be mind boggling in the beginning. Uh, how would somebody care about me that much? Why? You know, because we just don't think that we're worth it. Um, no, my wife, my wife is uh, Al-Anon. Um, but when I was drinking, she used to tell me, Dion, I'm, I'm going to love you till, till you learn to love yourself. Um, she was my girlfriend when I got sober the first time. So she knew what I was like sober. And she would tell me, Dion, I know what you're like sober. And, I'm not leaving until I get that back. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, you know, more stubborn than me. And it worked though. It worked. It was amazing. Yeah. And now I know how to love myself, which means that I have a lot of love to give away now. You know, it's fantastic. You guys have, and you have a daughter too, don't you? No, we have a son. His name's son. Attica. Thank you. He, he's the, he's the, Man, he's the goofiest little kid, and I love him to death. Like he's got—he's so smart, and he's got so much attitude that it's—and I hate to put it this way—but it's almost annoying because he's just—he's got that much attitude to him. He's got his mom's attitude for sure. Okay, oh, that's hilarious. And, and so I just want to point something out. It's like I've got all this connection with family now, and. Growing up, family was a big deal to me. Like I said previously, I, I, I raised my little sister for, for a time when I was younger. And so in my addiction, that's the, that's the one thing I miss the most is that I, I had pretty much thrown every bit of my family tie away for, yeah. for a drug. And that sucked because when, and when I first saw my sister after three years at her graduation party, I started bawling. Because yeah. like, I, I felt like I might have a chance again, and I did. And but like, what crushed me is when when I when I seen her last, she had this little lisp, and she she was this goofy little girl. Uh-huh. And I got to see her again, and she was like twelve, and she was uh, she was a, like a pretty much a teenager, and like it broke my heart. Like I threw all that time away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how do you spend so much time with a little kid, a little kid that looks up to you, and and just be like, this is more important. Yeah. And it's not like, it's hard because it, and it, I'm, it, I'm, I get a little emotional because today I'm so blessed. And now I talk to them on a regular basis. Yeah. They all, they, my, my, my amazing fiance tried to surprise me with my two years by bringing all my family down. But little did she oh. know that I found out about the surprise and that's when I proposed to her. <laughs> But like I've got, I've got all these people that care about me, and and I, that I can show and express my love to, because they're there, and I make I make the right choices today, and I'm and I put all that I put the things that matter first. Yeah, and it's 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 wild, Dion. Like I, I don't, I still revel in the fact that this is my life today, but I need to stop and understand that I worked for my life today. Yep, and it is, and it don't get me wrong, it's a blessing. But it's a lot of work, and it's hundred percent yeah. worth it, man. It's a it thousand times You know, um, uh, I've been sick most of the week. I can tell you now, I it's still better than any freaking hangover I ever had. You know, even my worst day sober is still you know better than my best day drunk, man. Dude, absolutely. And I get to be, I actually get to be a part of life now. You know, before when we were talking about your story, it kind of reminded me of how when, when I was drinking that, that time always escaped me. I would turn around and, you know, another month had gone by. 
and it was it would always happen so fast. Wait a minute, I was I was supposed to quit drinking a month ago. What happened to me? And then yeah. we hit that we hit that that psychic change when we decide I don't want to sit in a dirt hole smoking meth anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Like that is such it's either that feeling or the the laying on the ground puking off to the side of me because I was so sick that I couldn't get up to move myself. Are you yeah. shitting me, man? Yeah. Like I instead of working and sleeping in a bed, I chose to use and sleep under a fucking semi truck. Are you yep. shitting me? And ma- and we made those choices and it's but did we I we didn't though. We were we were uh you know it's an being ruled by man. yeah yeah it's hard to explain when you're not <laughs> when you're not an addict or an alcoholic yeah, it's hard to explain it really is like it's it's so difficult because a lot of people don't understand there are people that can that can use drugs recreationally and then there are people that use that one time and they're it's everything to them and that's yeah. the, that's the addict mentality i was listening to somebody else talk about it the other day and we're wired differently because when we, the minute it hits our system, the mm-hmm. minute, man, yep. it's, it's all we care about. Yeah. It's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And we, we want it to be part of every aspect of our life and everything we do and anything we feel. And we want it to be, we want it to cover the way we feel because if we feel like shit, we're going to go use to make sure we feel better or that yeah. we don't, we don't pay attention to the fact that we feel like shit. Yeah. But it's, it's like it's like I finally found the answer to my problems, and that's how you feel. It's a yeah. sense. It's a sense of relief, um, and we will look for that relief the rest of our lives. We will, we will chase it to the freaking grave, you know, unless Absolutely. we find like, a sufficient substitute, man. Um, so thank God <laughs> for that sufficient substitute. Yeah. It's what did my camera turn off by the way? It did. Oh, give me a second. That's all right. I um, thought you were picking your nose or something, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it's wild because it's just it, it's that that thought thought process of like something good we want to surround ourselves with when it's really it's really not something good and it, it's it's a giant mask. Yeah, you know, like it's a, those masquerades, dances that people wear the mask. That's what we wear to live our life, and it's yep. uh, it's probably not a great analogy, but I mean, it, ma- it makes sense. It makes to me. sense. Yeah, absolutely. And now, and once we get into recovery, we can take that mask off. I needed that mask, or I wouldn't have been able to look at myself in the mirror. No way. Uh, absolutely, man. No. Um, you know, Jeffrey, I really appreciate you coming on and 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 uh sharing with us today man um you got a beautiful life man and you guys don't get to see the camera but his eyes are shining you know go looking young dude man you know good good <laughs> on here. you Still so, <laughs> get out of here <laughs> no and you know, I, I sobered up at 19 also, and I, you know, I, I don't really like to get into uh, good on you young people, duh, you know, good for you. You didn't have to go through <laughs> what I went through. That is, uh, it's bullshit. Okay. Maybe yeah. you didn't lose a car. Maybe you didn't go lose a wife, but oh, man, I ended up on the streets too, you know, and I would be drinking and be, you know, be like, well, Dion, I thought you were quit drinking when you when you were living under when you were drinking under a bridge. You know, oh, I'm at that bridge. You know, when I get to that bridge, then it's bad enough. But it was ne- I would just never seem to be enough. And it never really it never truly is until until you hit your lowest point. Yeah. And what's fantastic about that is that's up to you. You know, um, you know, I think a lot of people I, and that's why I actually love young people in AA, because you guys are the ones that are going to be able to break a generational cycle and good for you guys, man. And I and I think this new generation understands feelings a little bit better than the older generation does. Um, 
Sorry, boomers. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, <laughs> so I'm scot free. Nobody picks on me. Uh, we invented the internet, so screw all of you. Um, <laughs> and everything 80s. But, uh, you know, that's why I like having different types of people on is, you know, um, AA is not just full of old men sitting around all crotchety. There are a plethora of young people in recovery that have a great time living a great life and spending time together, man. Um, what was the name of the cafe to get people interested it's, in that? It's called, uh, recovery Cafe. Recovery um, Cafe. And if you're anywhere, if anybody that listens to this is on is in Oregon or around the Medford area, there's uh, a building called Reclaiming Lives in downtown Medford, and it's run by a couple of people that are. So I want to, I'll put it this way. The people that started the recovery cafe down here are normies. They're, they're a rare breed of people that, that see addicts as people and still love and care of them the same as they would anybody else. And they're amazing. Yeah. And, uh, they, they actually run their own podcast. I'm not sure what it's called because I I haven't been diligent enough to listen to it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's amazing, man. They, it's called Recovery Cafe. They're, they okay. have them all over the country. Um, like I said, we're the only one in Oregon, though. Yeah. We don't have any. I haven't heard of them in Colorado yet. And honestly, we need some because a lot of people are putting in sober bars here. And I am so against that. Why, we sober have, bars? Yeah. So we have three detoxes in Colorado. We have four sober bars. So you tell me what's wrong with Colorado. <laughs> what? Yeah. Dude, that's, that's, is it, they have like, is it like a coffee bar? No, they serve mocktails and non-alcoholic beer, which by the way, non-alcoholic beer has beer in it, has alcohol yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. So, dude, that is, okay, personal opinion here. No, that that is, is asking for trouble. Yeah. I mean, because serving it's, it's, uh, mocktails. Yeah, it's chasing the. It's chasing that same thing. You're not getting, and you're gonna. It's gonna make. I feel like it would just make you want it more. Like, I, well, isn't that just trying to relive the past? Yeah, it, you know, you're putting yeah. yourself in the same situation where it's gonna make you feel those same old feelings. Which you know, sometimes feeling your feelings is good, but I don't. I don't feel like that's one of them. No, it's not. So where are you guys going after, you know, no, I mean, I get it. Getting together for fellowship, for camaraderie, uh, to work with each other. Hey, I'm, I am all about that, but not at a bar. Bro, go yeah, Even if it's go, a sober bar. Go like, that's what, that's one of the things we do for bonus. We go bowling. We go to, yeah. we go down to the family fun center. We go. Like we got a raft out trip going. We oh. we have a barbecue. Like there's so many different things you can do without going and paying for an overpriced mocktail to make you feel like you're in a bar. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I didn't drink alcohol and do drugs for the taste. I did it for the effect. Exactly. So, so if my mind is sitting beer. there holding a beer, sooner or later, it's going to want the effect. It's going to want it. Yeah. So Exactly. Because you're yeah. chasing that same thing. And when you're not getting it, you're going to chase the real thing. So, you know, what? I may even reach out to those people. Um, if you find out who they are, let me know. Um, and I'll reach out to them and see what we could do about getting them here, man. Because that'd be it. The, the, you know, the way that I work is I don't, you know, like when it comes to stigma, I don't fight stigma because you can't. You got to either come into agreement with it or educate. Once yeah. you start arguing, it's all nope. said and done. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, so I just want to I want to take time to to thank you for for having me on the show. By the way, because it, it's been I've, I've 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 very much enjoyed this conversation. That's being able to tell my story, being able to talk with you. Like, it's a pleasure and an honor to even to have been asked. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I know that there's there's thousands of people that with stories that can benefit others, and I mean, I yeah. seen on your guys' website it's a testimonial, a testimony of their experience. It's it's wild, man. It is, you know, um, and the reason it works so well is because 
I let God's the one that takes care of it. I mean, you saw how much I prepared. Uh, now we actually do prepare, but it's all back end stuff, you know. Yeah. But, you know, but essentially, it feels more like just sitting down and having a talk with your friend, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I man. think that's what it should be about, and uh, and that's how real feelings come out, and we could talk about real emotional things. So. Um, and thank you for taking your time. I know that, I know that you guys are doing some traveling and stuff and you kind of fit me in. Um, we had our times off things like, but <laughs> see how it, it still all fell together exactly the way it was supposed to. Um, so we were two drunks. Number one, we were off with our, our, and, and addicts, right? People that don't know anything. We were off on our time. We had, uh, we had delays, uh, we had technical difficulties, and we still able to do it. Absolutely, man, and that, with no problem. <laughs> it, it's being able to adjust to things that come at, come at you in life, and that, it, those are skills that you develop. Because I, I tell you what, man, like if this would have happened, like in my addiction, like if there'd have been one oh, thing yeah. after the other, bro, I'd have I'd have been upset. I'd have been like, "Fuck this!" I'm like, "It's yeah, not." You know, I would have been too. It didn't work the way I want exactly the way I wanted to. I don't then I don't want it. Exactly. If it didn't <laughs> what a fit life, my man. Exact, in my exact fucking parameters, I would be upset. I would be fucking just just off the wall like a four year old throwing a tantrum. I would yeah. I would have been doing the same thing my kid does on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you very much for taking your time uh today. I had a great this was a lot of fun, man. Uh this was a great talk. Absolutely, um, and you are always welcome to come back and, um, you know, if you have a a, a topic or maybe you want to expand on something, um, then absolutely feel free to come back on. You and I can talk about it. Um, absolutely, Dion. I'd love that sometime. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here um, today. We've had uh, Jeffrey Stevens. What a fantastic talk, guys! You know, drugs and alcohol don't care who you are. They don't care how old you are. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what race, religion, or sex you are. They don't care about your orientation. And neither do we. I love every single one of you for exactly who you are. And I hope you know that. Peace out and have a day.